Let me start recording here. There we go. So, I don't know, but uh, I started working out recently. You know, and I know what most of you are thinking. I noticed. You noticed. It is. Uh, no, but seriously, I've been, uh, yeah, my wife and I, we had a talk about January, you know, the new year. You always seem to have those talks right about that time. And uh, I do like to run um, a lot. And... Uh, and my wife was basically letting me know, you're getting too skinny. Uh, I'm concerned that you won't be able to, you know, protect me. And, uh, hey man, it's a little rough. But, uh, no, I wasn't quite as harsh as that. Uh, don't, you know, go talking to my wife after this or anything. But, you know, and so I started, I started working out. And, uh, you know, that's the title of my sermon today is, You Know I Work Out. Now, going to the gym is a very awkward thing when you're first starting, right? It's very, very awkward. I don't know if it's because, for me, growing up as a very skinny child, um, in high school especially, and going to the gym was very weird, because there were a lot of guys that weren't super skinny like me, and they were able to bench press a lot, and me and my pride, I would jump up there and try to do these weights and, you know, flatten by them. Um, you know, and it just, it's one of those things that God did not bless me with was, you know, a big, strong body, but I can run really fast. I can run away from you. Um, just may not be able to, you know, defend myself. Um, but, you know, going to the gym, man, that first time you go, it's just weird. It's really weird thing because you're kind of judging everybody. Yeah, come on. You guys all, you know, you've done it. You walk in there and you're like, all right. I gotta look like I'm strong here. You know, I gotta pick up a couple weights. I don't know how much weight I can pick up, but I'm just gonna pick one, and I'm gonna do it as many times as I can. And I'm looking over to the guy next to me, and I'm seeing how many, how you know, how heavy are his weights? How many times is he doing them? Is he looking at me? I'm sure he's judging me. You know, it's just like this weird mind thing going on when you walk into the gym. And then, of course, the mirrors do not help. I'm like, half the time, I don't know what to do with the mirror. Because I'm like, do I look at myself? Because then what if people see me looking at myself? Are they going to think I'm looking at myself? Like in that, hey, he's here to look at himself in the gym. I'm here to work out. He's looking at himself. It's weird. You know, or I'm like, I use the mirror sometimes to look at other people so they don't think that I'm looking at them. Or I'm like, how much weight are they doing? How many reps are they doing? I mean, they spy them out the angles. And, you know, and then sometimes you get, you get caught looking at people. And the, maybe it's just me, okay? <laughs> But, you know, one of the things I do love about working out is that if you put in the work, you're actually going to get to see results, right? The more you go to the gym, hopefully if you're doing it right, the more you'll be able to tell, right? You start, you start eating better, you start going to the gym uh, on a regular basis, and results will come. And this seems to be kind of the theme through most of the areas of our life. Right? If, if we, uh, at our job, if you decide to put in time, energy, and effort, hopefully your boss recognizes it and you get a nice pay raise or, you know, that next new position, so on and so forth. Maybe it's with your schoolwork. If you decide to put in the energy, time, and effort, you get a better grade. Right? And this is kind of the way our mind starts to work. If I put energy in, if I put effort in, I will get results. That work equals success. But it doesn't seem to work the same way when applied to our spirituality. It doesn't seem to work the same way when it's, you know, directly applied to our relationship with God. You know, when, uh, 
when you work out for a while and you walk past the mirror, you kind of you check yourself out a little bit. You know, you're like, yeah, I'm feeling it, right? And Kelly's actually caught me a few times. She's like, are you, are you looking at yourself in the mirror? I'm like, no, I'm not looking at myself in the mirror. I'm just, I stand like this. You know, that's just, that's just my natural, that's my natural, you know, as I walk past the mirror, I just, I just do that. Don't, you know, everybody does that. I don't spiritually flex in front of the mirror ever. I'm not walking by and I'm like, yeah, spirituals. It's, you know, I'm like pumped spiritually. It just doesn't happen, right? I don't see those same type of results as if you do when you're working out. You know, but Christianity is more than just doing the actions. I think that's an obvious thing for all of us here today. Christianity is more than just you, you know, doing X, Y, and Z every day. You know, there's got to be something more there. There's got to be something more than just our energy, just our efforts. You know, what motivates you? What pushes you? What gets you going? It's got to be more than just you. We got to put, we got to look towards the power of God. Amen? You know, in our minds, I think we understand this. We understand this concept that, you know, I can't work harder to earn my salvation. There's no way I can ever be a good enough person. I can be a good person, perhaps, but never a good enough person. I think we get that. But then at the same time, how does the power of God work into that? That, hey, I know that I don't have to put in all the energy and effort and work, but yet I do know that God has to work as well. But then I know that I have to work as well. Somehow in there, there's me working and God working. And where do those two come together? And how do I live my life every day based on those two on the left and on the right? You know, and today we're going to try to answer that question. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Philippians chapter two. You know, as a church, um, you know, in the Hampton Road Church, we're actually made up of four different regions. Now we've been going through the book of Philippians. And uh, we've been making our way through, and so we're actually just going to jump in right where we have been um, as a church for this region uh, as well. And that's in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. But you know, prior to this, you know, Paul had just given us a great example of what we need to be like. And he gives us Jesus, and he says, Jesus is humility. He is the example that you need to be striving towards. Imitating his humility as we interact with one another, as we will see as we continue on in the book. And now here in verse 12, we're going to see where Paul continues on. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We'll stop right there. You know, first of all, one of the things I want to point out, it's just a side note, and then we're going to leave that one there. It's incredible to see Paul's feelings towards the church. Other translations actually give uh, how he addresses them is my beloved. My beloved. He views the congregation, the church, as close. There's a relationship there. You know, for me, I'm like, that's inspiring just to be able to read about a man who's, you know, thousands of miles away, being able to look at a group of individuals and say, man, there's this connection. How? Because we are in Christ together. But 
Paul addresses the Philippian church here. And he wants them to understand one concept. He says, I want you to continue to obey. Continue to obey. I know that you do it while I'm there. And I know that you do it when I'm not there. But I just want to point out for you guys to continue to obey. To continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling is what he, is what he says. You know, and when Paul presents work out your salvation with fear and trembling, that sounds a lot like work to me. That sounds a lot like me doing something that is put on my shoulders, that somehow I have to bear the load of my own salvation. You know, I think for us that we have to understand what salvation is from Paul's mindset. For us, we view salvation as the moment perhaps that you get baptized. That was your moment of salvation. It, you can see it on the, on the calendar. That's the moment your sins were forgiven and that's when you experienced salvation. But to Paul, that's not salvation. That's the moment when salvation begins for you, but yet it's a continual process. A process that does not end until judgment day itself when you stand before God and he does not see your sins, but sees the blood of Christ covering over you. That's right. Well, Paul is really saying here, salvation is not something you receive, but salvation is something that we do. You know, what that salvation is, is that we obey. We don't obey Paul, but we obey God. Amen. That our obedience to God becomes evidence of our own salvation. We obey God because of this incredible and continual gift of salvation. So is Paul really telling us to do works? Yes, he is. He's not only telling you to do works, but he's telling you to continue to obey. To continue. Don't stop obeying the Lord. Point number one I want to talk about is get ripped. You know those, we've all seen the um, advertisements on TV, those miracle workout machines, right? Where, you know, if you work out for five minutes a day, you will look like this incredible specimen of a human being. And you're just like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Five minutes of my day and I can look like that. In less than two weeks, we guarantee you'll lose 60 pounds in two weeks. You're like, oh, it's incredible. Right? And you get sucked in slightly. Some of you perhaps have bought some of those products. And, you know, amen, someone has to buy them. But, you know, you start to feel like, man, if I use that, then maybe I will look like that. But then you start to kind of, reality sinks in a couple minutes after the commercial. And you look at yourself again in the mirror. And you're like, no. That's probably not going to happen with me. You know, but you talk to somebody who's really in shape, they're not going to tell you they use those five-minute miracle machines. It is going to be a continual thing for that individual. They're going to the gym multiple times a week. They are, they are eating right. We all know this. All right, but in Paul's direction here is that, you know what? I know you obeyed, but you have to continue to obey. Our obedience is in, to Christ is not just one moment, not just one moment of salvation, but in fact, an entire life of obedience. It's not just on the good days, but obedience to Christ becomes our entire life. It becomes how we live, how we, how we, how we handle ourselves. It becomes every day. You know, in Paul's obedience that he's talking about, it's not just obeying the rules. But actually following Christ. Hallelujah. Following Christ underneath His Lordship. Laying down our desires 
and taking up his instead. No, but I, I'm convinced, you know, having, I'm 30, 33 years old, not, you know, I'm not going to say I'm the most seasoned guy in the room, but, you know, I've been, 30, 33 years is, you know, a little bit of time here on uh, earth, but the more I'm convinced, the older I get, the harder it is for me to um, obey, yeah. right? Uh, I think, you know, any of you that have been around your grandparents or, you know, older individuals that you hold dear to your heart, they become more and more stubborn, you know, as uh, life goes on, right? I have a five-year-old son. He's my youngest son, uh, Levi. If I tell Levi, you know, he comes up to me and he sees, uh, we were actually doing this the other day, and he sees an axe on the ground. He says, Dad, I want to play with the axe. I want to help cut down that tree. And I tell, and I look to Levi and I go, Levi, you can't. You can't pick up that axe and play with the axe, buddy. You're five years old. That's an axe. You're going to cut your arm off. He doesn't really argue with me. You know what I mean? At five years old, he kind of has like an understanding of, hey, I'm five years old. That's a sharp object. Okay, I'll listen to my father. I like my limbs. Right? There's not like a pushback. But yet as we get older, we start to push back on the um, obedience I remember a couple years ago, while my grandfather was still living, uh, he had this gas grill. And uh, I was trying to help him turn on the gas grill. Uh, my grandfather didn't want to listen to my instructions as I was trying to help him turn on the gas grill. And I was like, Dad, uh, you know, Grandpa, you've uh, turned on the gas there. It's been on for a couple minutes. Uh, may want to back up a little bit or let it just air out, turn it off and let the gas kind of, you know, dissipate before you stick a match in there. And he's like, no, this is the way I always do it. I was like, grandpa, I don't know. I don't know. Sure enough, he sticks a match in there. Fireball. He turns around, no joke, his eyebrows are smoking. And I'm like, come on. Like, seriously, like, I told you not to do this. And then, you know, Hey, man, I, you know, my grandfather, he, it doesn't become about him obeying. It becomes about the grill. The grill's broken! This stupid grill! And I'm like, yeah, that's it. It was the grill's fault, wasn't it? And as a matter of fact, he ended up giving us that, um, that grill. And he went out and bought a new one just because of that moment. I was like, oh, my gosh. But as we get older, it's harder for us to listen. Harder for us to actually um, obey anybody, let alone God, who we cannot see. You know, obedience every day, a continual obedience is hard. It's hard work. You know, some days I just don't feel like it. Some days I just don't feel like listening to God. You know, but here we see that Paul ties obedience to salvation. There's an interesting connection there for a very specific reason. You know, imagine you're drowning in the ocean. And someone throws you a life preserver. And they say, hey, hold on to this life preserver. How, mu- how willing are you going to be to listen? You, you're you're going to go ahead and you grab on the life preserver. You're not going to be like, well, I don't know if I really like this life preserver. I think I got it. I've been treading water, you know, successfully for a couple of minutes. Ah, why don't you come back? I'm not really feeling your direction at this point in time. Why don't you come back? No, when you're drowning, you're going to listen intently. Right? You're going to be like, oh, thank you. Is there anything else I can do so you can, save my, you can save my life here? Right? But it's the same idea when it comes to our salvation and our um, obedience to Christ. Is that we have an understanding of where we stand before God. That we are in need of His salvation. 
We are in need of Him. And therefore, it is easier for us to listen and obey. Amen. There's a submissive obedience because we understand our state. We understand where we are. You know, if you're finding it hard to listen to God, hard to continue in your um, obedience to God, maybe you've lost your appreciation for your own salvation. Maybe you've lost your perspective on just where you stand. Maybe you view yourself a little bit higher than you need to. Maybe you see yourself as just fine treading water. Instead of a person standing in the middle of the ocean, head just above the water, taking their last couple breaths. But your obedience is tied to your personal need for salvation. Amen. They are forever linked. So how's your obedience to Christ today? How is your continual obedience to Christ today? You know what happens on the outside? Our obedience is directly linked to our salvation on the inside. Amen? Amen. And our, and our obedience demonstrates our salvation that has occurred already. Wow. You know, but sometimes we need, we need some help. Yeah. Sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes I can't do it even if I want to. Yeah. Point number two is spot me. Amen. You know, if you've ever taken a weightlifting class, you know one of the first rules that, that they give you is that you always got to have a spotter. You always have to have a spotter. And, you know, back when America's Funniest Home Videos was around, perhaps I'm dating myself there, I love that show. Right? Especially on Sundays, it'll come on Sunday afternoons, right? And so we'd go home and watch. I love that show. But you get to watch people being idiots, right? I love it. And so many times you see somebody lifting weights without a spotter, and they just, you know, the bar starts to crush down on them, or perhaps they drop a weight and they, you know, just maim themselves and we're laughing as they're crying and it's just great <laughs> but uh, I want you guys hoping we can get this video to work here of uh, the sound uh, we'll go ahead and try it out We'll stop right there. The video actually goes on for another three minutes of this kid struggling. I wanted to show up, but I figured all of us, we, I, think we, I think we get the point. Uh, but yeah, he just screams and screams and screams. Nobody comes. Oh. Anyway.
anyways, um, you know, this kid, he's so confident, right? He puts on his hoodie, he's got, it, I don't know if you guys can see it, but he has his, like, you know, his, like, music going. You know, he's just, his face is, like, determined. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get this weight today. You know, he's just feeling it. And then he, you know, he tests it out. And you know that moment, he had to be thinking, ooh, this is a little bit heavy. But he's like, nope, I got it. I can do this. He puts it up there and just drops. And that second it hits his chest, he's like, when it starts tipping, man. Oh, I have been there before, actually, so I'll just submit that right now. But in my wisdom, I didn't take myself, nor did I post it on the internet, which still to me is bizarre. I'm like, why would you post an embarrassing moment of yourself on the internet? Like anybody else was there, it was, it was just all you. But anyways... You know, for us as disciples, as Christians, we're not left out there all by ourselves. We're not left with just our efforts, with just our, you know, let's go um, obey God today. We're just, we have God who works through us. And in verse 13, we see that it says, for it is God who works in you to to will and to act in, in order to fulfill his good purposes. You know, it's that God will work in you to will and to act. It's God himself, the Holy Spirit, working in you to obey his commands. Amen. I think the idea, the, the idea that there is some Holy Spirit that moves inside you to obey is kind of an odd concept for a lot of us. Maybe a little un, um, uncomfortable. At, at times. Because it's easier for us just to think, well, I have to just do this. I have to put the strength, I have to put the energy in, and I can obey Christ. But when you start looking on the other side and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. There's a power of God within you. That makes us feel a little funny. I think when we hear that it's the power of God that moves in us, we start to worry that we're going to become more of a secular congregation. We fear that we're going to end up waiting for the Holy Spirit or the power of God to actually move in our lives and we're going to become lazy and do nothing. And so we start to look at ourselves and say, well, I have to do more. I can't wait for the Holy Spirit because if I do that, then I'm going to sit around and do nothing. And actually, there's quite a bit written about this passage and the difference between what we'll call Christian cults. You know, let's call them hardcore churches and let's say for the other side of it, uh, secular you know, mainline, and again, I'm not making judgments on any particular church here or another, but a cult-like Christianity view takes this passage and looks at the first half only. It says, in order for me to earn my salvation, I have to work hard. The secular view, the mainline view, looks at it and says, well, I don't want to work too hard because then I'm putting it on myself. I'm going to wait for God to do something in my life, for God to move me. And so then we have these two on either side, one is saying, I'm going to do all the work myself. And the other says, I'm going to do nothing and wait for God to work. You know, it's clear in this passage, though, we can't escape the fact that God does work. That God is going to empower. God is going to work through you. Because there are going to be times when you can't lift the weights. When you do need that power. When you do need something to move through you. It doesn't excuse your part of obedience whatsoever, but it gives credit to God who is actually doing the work. 
the problem with us not looking to God is our, let's call it our power source, if you will, is that we, we can become prideful. We can start to look at our own efforts as more than they actually are. That we somehow have the ability, you know, to work up our way to salvation. You know, we can take on this arrogance and this pride in our own salvation, even look down on others who perhaps don't have the same type of, you know, view on obedience that you do. You know, we put the work of God as a second tier to us doing the work. No, but in reality, what Paul is trying to say here is that we put in the work and God works through us. That he is our strength and he is the one who wills us to do his will. To be totally honest with you, this is a weird concept for me. This is very strange for me. Even this past week, um, I'm the type of person that, you know... When I'm faced with, with an issue or a problem, I'm going to be the one to work hard to figure it out. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to ask anybody for help. It's going to be all on me. i got to put my nose to the grindstone and figure this one out. You know what I mean? And this past week with uh, Kelly and I, uh, we got into this little bit of an um, uh, argument, if you will. Let's call it that. And um, I was feeling a lot of stress. And the washing machine broke, you know, the, uh, uh, the clothes washing machine one. And uh, it broke the second time, and I fixed it last time, and it, did, it broke the exact same way. And I was so frustrated. And, I, I, and there's all this stuff that has to get done throughout the house, getting all of this stuff ready, and, uh, and I'm just losing it. And Kelly comes up to me in the garage, and she says, Jeff, why don't you just pray? And I'm like, what is God going to do with this washing machine right now? I have to do it. And she just looks at me, and she's like, poor Jeff. And just like, you know, just kind of walks out. She's like, he does not understand. But that's how I can view my own spirituality, right? It's like, well, I have to do this. I, what is God going to do right here, right now for me? I got to put in the um, obedience. I have to put in the action. Instead of looking to God and saying, wait a second, he's the one who actually makes things happen. You know, it's not easy to realize and to um, accept there's nothing that I can do without God. But that it is God that works through me. Now it seems that at, at, at this point that Paul is presenting almost two different um, just ideas that cannot exist together. A paradox. A spiritual paradox that, you know, if one is saying, hey, you have to have obedience. You have to put in effort. But also, there's got to be God involved in that. That God works through you through his spirits. So my third and last point is chicken or eggs. <laughs> And the classic argument of which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Also a great source of protein, right, for working out, to keep it in line of everything there. But as a child, I'm not lying on this one, and perhaps I'm even kind of embarrassed. I used to sit in car rides and contemplate the chicken or the egg. I used to sit there, I'm like, I'm going to figure this one out. You know, I'm going to work through all the ins and outs of which one came first, the chicken or the egg. And I would seriously spend a lot of time wondering, trying to figure out that I'm going to crack this code. I'm going to be known as the guy who figured it out. It's totally true. But I have the answer for you today. I do. 
You guys, you guys got your pens ready? Perhaps you want to like record this or take a picture of this moment where we break this age-old debate. Both. Chicken or the egg, both. Boom, just blew your mind, didn't it? This is done. They both came. God created them both at the same time. That's what I'm saying, all right? Doesn't, it doesn't have to be a first or a last. Created at the same time. Done. Perhaps to show the chicken this is what you need to do. I don't know what it was. But both of them at the same time. So it's the same for us. Obedience or the Spirit. Both. At the same time. It's not a debate. It's not a, do I obey or do I wait for the Holy Spirit to make me want to um, obey? It's both. Amen. But that is, God is not going to do the work for you. He waits for you to do the work so that He can empower you to finish the work. Amen? Amen. This, is not a, this is not a foreign concept. We actually see this quite a bit with Jesus and the way that He interacts with those individuals that He heals. In Mark chapter 2 with the paralyzed man, we all know, what does He ask Him to do? Get up and walk. Jesus could have easily said, you are healed. Go on Go on your way. No, he asked him, you have to do something. Get up and walk. Mark chapter 3, the man with the shriveled hand. He asked that man, stretch out your hands. Do something so I can work through you. Luke 17. The ten men with leprosy, he told them to go show themselves to the priest. And you will be healed. You know, there is action. And that action, that obedience, opens the door for God to work. The key is that we need to be willing to allow God, His Spirit, to work through our obedience. Even with the best spotter in the whole world, you still got to put some effort to lift that bar up off your chest. He might be taking three, three quarters of the weight, you know, pulling it up off of you as you're straining beneath that weight, but you still have to put in the energy. You know, showing up isn't enough. Just being there isn't enough. You've got to be willing to put in energy to continue to allow God to work through you. you know, the interesting thing that begins to happen is the more you obey, the more your mindset begins to change. The more that God starts to transform your own desires. Starts to transform the way that you view the world. So it becomes more in line with Christ himself the easier it becomes for you to actually listen and obey. The more, the easier it becomes for God to work through you. You know, you're not alone in this. In this argument of, do I do the work myself or do I allow God to, to, for the Holy Spirit? Well, it's both, but you're not alone in that. Amen. This whole letter is actually written to you all, us as the family of believers, because guess what? We're all in this together. We're all in this fight together. We're all trying to make it to heaven together. And so you're not alone in this. And the challenge that I want us to walk away uh, with today is, you know, it's not... It's a tough one when I was thinking about trying to come up with a challenge. Because I'm like, well, I don't want to make it just about works. Right? I don't want to give you something to do. Because then it's like, well, then you're Jeff. You're saying it's all about doing something. And you just preach to us that it's not all about doing something. It's both. And here you are actually going against what you just preached. And I'm like, all right, so i got to think of something that is not 
an action, but it's a challenge as well. Amen? Amen. So, here it is. That we cannot stop working out. Uh, uh, See that? We can't stop working out our obedience. We have to continue in our obedience. But we also have to allow the Holy Spirit to work. We have to fight. My challenge is to fight to keep both in mind as we go out this week. To keep both in mind as we continue to obey Christ. That we realize that it's not our own efforts. But it does require our effort. But it is God who will work through us. That it will really begin to open up the door for God to work through your life. And as we go and as we work out our salvation, it becomes... About obedience. And that this salvation, that our obedience becomes evidence of our salvation, which allows the Holy Spirit to work through us. You know, and today, if you're visiting with us and you're not a baptized disciple, you're still working in vain. I hate to say it, but you're still working in vain. You're trying to be a good person based on your own merits, not able to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. Your status is still lost. You're still treading water. You're still drowning. And I want to ask you to ask somebody today to sit down and study the Bible. But I want to leave all of us with this because I figure the challenge, I can come up with one, the fact for us to keep both in mind or we can actually read what Paul says to us. Let's read it once again in verse 12. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always um, obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. So this week, church, let's go obey. Let's also allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. Amen. Amen. Thank you.